you know, there's like a camera crew of 16 people and a drone <laughs> and there's light rain and someone's job is literally holding an umbrella over me as I like play a couple of holes. Like I felt like a total celebrity. I realized after the fact that I totally got taken advantage of because I, you know, I basically got a thousand dollars worth of FootJoy credit to use in the store, but I didn't get paid at, at all. All right, welcome back everybody to another episode of the Golfers Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Noah, and our guest this week is Ben. I'll let Ben introduce himself in a minute, but if this is your first time joining us on the Golfers Anonymous podcast, one, welcome, you you came to the right place, and two, um, essentially what this podcast is, is I bring on a new guest every single week, and that new guest is basically just a normal, regular golfer who just fell in love with the game at some point and is now addicted to this sport as so many of us are um, with my hypothesis being that you know everybody has very unique reasons for how they got into the game and why they still play and I think it's interesting for us to talk through it um, but without further ado our guest Ben I'm gonna have you introduce yourself and just how just so you know how I generally have people introduce themselves on the show I want you to give us your name you can go first name or full name it's up to you it, it's either Ben gets famous or Ben for, or Ben F gets famous. Um, and then so your name, how long you've been playing golf, and then your current handicap. Yeah, so I'm Ben Fern. Uh, my handicap is an 8.4. I am a true golf sicko. Uh, I'd say 25% of my waking thoughts are about the game. Don't know what I would do without it. I started playing early on in high school, maybe 2006 or 2007. Love it. So, so that's a good, that's a good, uh, measure of, of golf obsession. How much, how, how, what percentage of your waking thoughts are about the sport? I like that. I'm going to start yeah. asking people that when, when they come on the show for me, I, I'd say it's definitely at least 25%. And you know, automatically 50% of that is work. So that we'll say half of the rest of my thoughts are just about golf. That's that, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Candidly, the 25% is a conservative estimate. It's probably higher. Uh, I just don't know if my wife's going to, uh, tune into this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Welcome to the show, Ben. Is this your your first ever time on a on a podcast? It is uh, not my first time. I've been on a couple of startup podcasts, but uh, those are boring. Boring. I've never been on a golf <laughs> podcast before, so fired up about this one. All right, excited to have you on. Um, so you mentioned you started playing golf in high school. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, why you picked it up in the first place and kind of, you know, how, how it went when you first started playing? Yeah, there wasn't really a kind of magical inflection point. I would say it was more gradual. A couple of my close buddies growing up caddied and belonged to a course. I'm from the Boston area. Um, they caddied at a course called Dedham country club. And so I was lucky enough to go a couple of times, um, and I just remember I was first drawn to it because one, I was horrible. I uh, just naturally wasn't good at golf, was a baseball player, had a big slice like many of us. Um, but I saw this huge green field uh, of improvement. And so that's, uh, that's why I was drawn to the game. I had some, some pretty nasty ankle injuries from soccer and basketball growing up. Uh, and then had operations on both of my ankles. And so I kind of continued to gravitate towards golf because it's just really friendly on the joints. Yeah. <laughs> then sophomore year of college, 
I was like, fuck it. I, I didn't play golf in high school, but I'm going to try to walk on, uh, walk on the college team. So tried out for the varsity team. Uh, the program wasn't really serious. I mean, trying out was kind of a, is a, a bit of a generous term, uh, but had a really good nine holes and, and walked on the team and basically got to practice and play golf pretty much every day for a couple of years for free, which was awesome. There you go. Living the dream. That's what, yeah. that's what it's all about. Um, so you, that's a pretty unique story. I feel like, you know, most people who play college golf, at least like play when they were a kid, played in high school, that type yeah. of thing. Um, so what was that like? Just like going into this competitive environment when you hadn't really, you know, done anything like that before Yeah, on when it came to golf. I like to think that that sort of tense environment kind of brings out the, brings out the best in me. Uh, but I tell you a four foot putt that's outside the hole and you've got like 15 people watching is a different, is a different thing. Feels like a 12 footer. No, I had three, I had two, uh, two goals whenever I played in a tournament and I, I only played in tournaments if, you know, a teammate had the flu or, uh, you know, I was very, very low down the roster, but the, the goals were always break a hundred, uh, and don't come in last place. And, uh, <laughs> the scores weren't pretty, Did but, always meet but I achieved the goals? goal. So we, we take our wins when we can get them. Um, so did you always, did you always, uh, did you always hit those two goals when you were out there? Yeah, the, the scores weren't pretty, but I did break a hundred, and I did not come in last place in the three tournaments that I played in. So I imagine, you know, just being in in that environment around people that are so competitive about golf, and obviously like playing so much, you must have gotten like much better by by the time you know senior year rolled around. Uh, not not really, to be honest. Um, at the time, I was probably like a somewhere between a 14 and a 16 handicap. I mean, I was pretty bad. Uh, and I just didn't, I just didn't play enough. I didn't practice enough. It wasn't really until I moved back to Boston, uh, in 2018 that I truly got bitten by the bug and just started playing, started playing 40 rounds a year. And every year from 2018, uh, I just knocked two off of my handicap. Um, last year got down to a 6.7, but it's gone up since then. So it's, it's really been only in the last five, six years where I've truly been purposeful about practicing and playing and like striving to get better. Yeah. What do you think has been the biggest, I know you said you've knocked about two strokes off that handicap every year. What do you think in terms of like your practice has, has really helped you with that? Have you had any like lessons or is there like a specific area you game you you worked on the most? Yeah, I'm so, I'm pretty self-taught. I have had a couple of lessons. Didn't really find them all too helpful. Um, just reps out in the course. You know, the short game is just easier to get consistent and turning those triples into doubles and bogeys, I think is like the biggest thing. I, I lost fewer balls. I cut down on the three putts. All, all the boring improvements that turn your scores from a, a you know, a 93 to an 84. Right. I'm sure you got some, probably got some new sticks in there at some point that probably helped you out a little bit. Got fitted for clubs for the first time, started going on golf trips, started getting deep into the recesses of, uh, YouTube, you know, swing technique videos. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, that I know be, we that both be share. a torture filled place. YouTube. Golf. Yeah, this is a scary true. place as well. It, this is, that is very, very true. Uh, and I started listening to golf podcasts and I started following the PGA tour more closely and just being more embedded in, I mean, it sounds wacky, but being like more in the golf community, really, um, really just like the, 
10% of my thoughts that were about golf turned into 20, turned into 30 and I just got better. Yeah. I love that, man. So, so you said you've gotten much more into like, you know, the golf, you become more of a golf fan essentially is like what you're, what you're telling me more, just more into golf overall. Um, I guess the two, two questions, you know, you said you're into a bunch of golf, like podcasts, which is your, what's your favorite golf podcast out there? It'll soon be golfers anonymous, but you can tell me another one for now. Um, and then who's your favorite, uh, golfer you can, we can go PGA tour or, or live whoever your favorite golfer in, in the world is. Yeah. And those two answers are connected. Favorite podcast is no laying up. I think that it's a, it's a, it strikes a really good duality of both following the professional circuit, bringing on fascinating characters. And then also I like the, the nerdy golf architecture, covering golf trips, kind of the course stuff. And to that end, probably my favorite golfer, I mean, assuming I can't say Tiger or Rory, uh, would be would be Max Homa. I think oh, he's okay. relatable. I think he seems like a great guy to get a you know get a beer with. He's been through some some struggles. He's introspective. He's a great interview. Uh, just someone that I naturally find myself rooting for. Yeah, Max is the man. He does have quite a story. I need to go back. So I was listening. I also love No Laying Up. Um, I was listening to their. I think I texted you about this. Listening to their like. 10 year anniversary episode where they kind of documented like their entire journey to that point. And they mentioned um, like an interview they did with Max where like they had the the first time it got deleted, they had to re-record it. It was like such an emotional interview talking. He was talking about how he came up through the the corn fairy tour and all that stuff. Um, I got to go back and find that episode because I was a big no laying up fan when I don't even know when it was. It must have been like when they were still pretty small, like 2016, 2017. Mm. And then when I kind of stopped playing golf just because of college and track, I kind of stopped paying attention to no laying up their content. Um, and now I'm really back into it. So I need to like go back and and listen to some of the stuff I missed. Um, but you know, a, a group or a, a channel I've been listening to a lot lately is um, the Fried Egg podcast oh, yeah. and YouTube yeah. content. I'm loving it. I never really like listened to them before just because I was like so into like the no laying up stuff. But is they do some Andy and really Brendan. Is that right? Yeah, it's Andy, Brendan, and then they have a bunch of uh, like rotating guests as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the fry. So Shotgun Start, I think, is. Yep. yep. They also do that one kind of covers the tour. And then the fried egg is more of the course previews and uh, architecture and what have you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then they all, and then like Eric Anders Lang, Random Golf Club. He's also yep. really good. Um, I was just watching a video he did. Um, he does all those like Breaking 90 Break series. Break 90 series. Yeah. Yeah. He did one at Beth Page, and I had played there in the fall, like I like right. mentioned to you. And I was like, "Wow, I need to like go back to this place. It is like it's it's so cool." Um, but anyways, so we know your favorite golfer, favorite golf podcast. Um, tell me a little bit about your best golf round to date. Okay, uh, so my career low is a seventy-five. Uh, it was at a course called Peas golf course in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, par 71. Um, and the thing that stuck out about that, first of all, I probably had one too many adult beverages on the course, despite it being my <laughs> low round. Uh, and also super memorable shot. My ball was submerged playing in a two on two match. My ball was fully submerged greenside in a pond. Uh, 
And I was like, I'm, I'm going for it. And I just opened the face, swung really hard. It kind of popped out perfectly to about 15 feet. And then I, I hit the putt. Um, and I just remember playing really, that was on the front nine, but on the back nine, just playing really boring, hit a lot of greens, two putt pars. The game just felt really, really easy. Yeah. You know, I, so, so your most memorable shot is, a. Uh... Tell me about that again. So submerged ball, like in some mud, fully submerged in a pond. That uh, was like, it wasn't like a foot below the water. Like you know, it was like a millimeter or two below yeah. the surface. But the ball was fully submerged, and it was one of those. Okay, I'm just gonna get caked in mud here. I'm gonna swing it pretty much as hard as I can with a 60 degree shot, 60 degree club behind the ball, and just hopefully it it pops out. And because how far were it, you from the green? I was maybe eight yards from the green, uh, but the, the 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 line that the ball went in on, I would have had to drop, and I probably would have had a you know a fifty yard pitch shot. Mm, okay. And so I figured, hey, as long as I can, as long as I can get this out of the lake, even if it doesn't go on the green, like it's going to be better than the alternative. Right. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Everyone on here so far has said like some booming drive they hit on like a short par four or like some iron shot they hit but that's an awesome most memorable shot and i'm glad it was during the your your best round ever that, that yeah. makes it even better yeah yeah ironically um, my some of my favorite golf memories are um more experience based and less about playing a specific course or playing mm -hmm. uh, a really good round or a good shot yeah love that man um, well, well, you brought it up talking about some, some iconic courses. I've know you've done a bunch of golf travel in your golf mm -hmm. career thus far is, I guess just one, tell me a little bit about some places you've been and then, you know, we'll, we'll dive into a, a couple, one of those. Yeah. So yeah, I've been lucky enough to play some, some cool courses, Bandon Dunes, um, Spyglass, Cowrie Cliffs in New Zealand, which is a, a special place and a, and a special course. Uh, did a Pinehurst trip. Um, but I would say the crown jewel is this Ben and Dunes trip I did. So for my bachelor party a couple of years ago, I was like, you know what? This is a time in my life where I can be selfish about what kind of a trip I want to I wanna take. Uh, obsessed with golf. Why don't I take the overlap it's a Venn diagram, take the overlap of my best friends and my best golfing buddies. So eight guys went out to Bandon Dunes, seven, seven friends and, and myself. Um, wasn't a lot of a drinking. It was just like an intense four on four Ryder Cup style match. Yeah. We played 150 holes of golf in three days. Wow. Yep. The weather was perfect. These courses were immaculate. It feels like you're in the middle of nowhere. Very difficult to get to. Um and these are world-class courses. I think all five at the time, I don't know if this is still the case, but all five courses, the Bandon Dunes OG, uh, Old Mac, Bandon Trails, Pack Dunes, and Sheep Ranch, all five were in the top 10 public courses in, in the country. And it was a very, very spiritual, spiritual um, experience. I'm not a very religious or spiritual guy, but something about being there, just being Golf out will in get nature. You there. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you're not the first person I've had on who's gone to Bandon Dunes. Can you rank them for me in terms of, you know, mm. the, what is it? The five courses they have there. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to, it's hard to divorce how you played and like 
the weather from from those rankings. But I would say, I would say, Bandon Dunes original, then Pack Dunes, then Bandon Trails, which is the one of the five, the only course that is not uh, on the ocean. It's it's in the uh, in the right. woods. Old Mac, another t- a Tom Doak course, um, and then Sheep Ranch. I think Sheep Ranch has the best views by far, but a lot of the holes kind of blend in and it's the newest course. So I have a feeling right. maybe in 10, 15 years, it'll kind of grow into its own. Yeah. You're not the first person I've heard that said like sheep ranch, like really cool views, but just like no bunkering. It's very straightforward. But yeah. my other friends said like, it'll probably be awesome in 10 years. Yeah. But Pack um, Dunes and Old Mac, which are both designed by Tom Doak, who did, did a course called, um, Stonewall here in the in the Philadelphia area, which is where I currently live. I recently played it. I'm obsessed with it. Tom Doak <laughs> has like quickly become one of my favorite designers. Wow, look at that. Um, I'm glad you were able to find a, a gem in the in the Philly area. Yeah, we're working on it. Well, it's a private course, so it's not like I can play oh, it every man. every day. <laughs> um so I know you you so you did hundred and fifty holes in three days. That's that's ludicrous. Um, mm-hmm. Can you, I'm trying to think in my head, like what the split had to have been. Can you tell me what that was over the three days? Yeah. And there's, so there's a, uh, a, a par three course that has 13 holes, the band and preserve. And on one of the days we wanted to say that we, we played 50 holes. And so there, there was like a, a little bit of mismatching, but essentially we played 36 every day. One day we played, 36 and the par three course and then one other hole so we could say we got to 50 holes in a day and then (laughs) on the last day we played 54 holes and the way it works at bandon is first of all there are no carts so it's walking yeah uh and we got we were lucky enough to get off-season rates and you know i was pretty golf is the one thing in my life where i don't look at the like i'm price inelastic like golf i love it so much i don't really care how much i spend on it that being said, when you're hosting a bachelor party, like you feel bad that you're putting on a cost to others. But the way it works at Bandon off season rates, it was I think 180 bucks for the first round. Then replay rate at any of the courses uh, goes to 100 bucks, and then the third course you play is free. So our last round on that day was free, and then I yeah. think if you play a fourth. Someone needs to fact check me on this, but if you play a fourth round in the same day, which some people do during the abandoned solstice, they'll actually pay you a hundred bucks. Yeah, that is it. I think I think I made a video about that on my channel. Um, so yeah, they they will pay you. Uh, I think it's yeah, hundred or two hundred bucks on the on yeah. the on the on the, on the, the on the fourth round. But I mean, I've never done anything like that. I played thirty six. Can you tell me a little about about like the the physical challenge of playing fifty four holes, even when you played. 36 each of the past two days and it's all walking that's like yeah you must have walked like 15 miles on that on yeah. that third day i think we logged i think we logged more than more than 20 miles that day honestly i was having so much fun it's such a right. breathtaking place the golf is links it's so cool that i just blocked out any physical pain i was feeling it was like a non non-issues maybe maybe a couple of blisters after the trip um but if I could, if I could have played seventy two that day, if there was enough daylight, I would have. Right? Did you guys get fifty four in pretty comfortably? Yeah, we did. Yep. So what time? And the last, you, what, uh, the the last eighteen we played that day was kind of our match was over, and they let us go out as a 
one of, one of my buddies didn't play this last round, but they let us go out as a seven sum and we brought a bunch of beers out in the course and it was like a That's really awesome. chill kind of, uh, of round. It was, it was a great kind of cap to the trip. Yeah. I feel like that's like, that's the best part about band. And at least what I've heard from other people is that it really just is like, they want to make sure that you really enjoy the golf. Like it's way less about like bringing your whole family there or whatever it might be. Like they'll let you go out as a seven sum in the last tee time. And they just want to make sure like you have a great time just enjoying Mm -hmm. the golf courses, whatever, whatever that way that looks like. Yep. Totally. Put the customer Uh, first. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so that's awesome. Love, love Bandon. I need to get over there. I need to see, everyone keeps coming on my podcast talking about Bandon. I haven't even been there. So I feel like, so I need to, I need to change that. Um, but tell me a little bit about, um, your golf experiences down in New Zealand. I, th- I think that's really, that's really unique and interesting. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I'm uh, a proud dual U S New Zealand citizen lived there for a year when I was younger. Uh, my folks spend part of the year there. Um, and so I try to go back as often as I can. And last February, a year ago, I, w- I went, um, with my, with my wife and we, our trip, we focused on the North Island and the Bay of Islands. Um, so the subtropical area of New Zealand and played this course called Cowrie, Cowrie Cliffs, which I think at the time was number 37 on Golf Digest's, um, list and, you know, similar, similar vibes to Bandon, just like on the, right along the ocean, breathtaking views. Um, unfortunately I played by myself, which was, I love playing golf by myself, but with such a, such a magical experience, you kind of want to share it with other people. Um, just out there taking selfies. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No one to to video my shots and I love taking, you know, swing footage, uh, but breathtaking course. But I'll tell you, uh, there's a course called um, Para Para Umu, which Eel, Eric, Andrew Landers, however pronounce his name, did a, um, a feature on actually in his channel. This course probably ranked maybe seven or eight in New Zealand. It's hosted the, the New Zealand Open 12 times. I think it was either 2001 or 2002 that Tiger, they paid him a million dollar appearance fee to, to fly over. Wow. And this course is about 10, minute, 10 minutes from where my folks uh have a place and spend part of the year and it is true true links golf and it's so refreshing to play and in a lot of ways i enjoyed it more than cowrie cliffs and some of the other higher ranked on paper courses i mean it's like true ground game right a lot of wind i think people refer to it as the sister course uh to royal Mel- melbourne mm-hmm. and like it's just nestled in this area of new zealand uh, where the Lord of the Rings was, was filmed and you've got these mountains in the backdrop and it's, it's like, it's a gem. It's so underrated. And the way golf works in New Zealand is, you know, there are a lot of private clubs, para para umu included, but if you kind of write an email or a letter and be like, Hey, I'm coming in from out of town. I love this right. course. Uh, they'll let you play. I mean, that's how it should be. I mean, I know. obviously golf in like the States is so different than in other parts of the world. But like I was just reading a book that I highly recommend if you haven't read it. It's like a, go- a course called Ireland. Um, I'm blanking on on who the author is, but essentially he... Tom Coyne? Yeah, Tom Coyne. Like he yep. dropped his life for three months and he walked yep. like 60... He walked all the way around the circumference of Ireland, played like 60 rounds of golf. Um 
and a lot of those courses were private clubs because the same thing. It's like they want visitors to come experience yeah. these golf courses because they're so proud of them. And it's not like here in the States where it's like, oh, no, like you don't have enough money to play here or, or whatever the case may be. Um, so I, I hope that, you know, American golf kind of gets to a, a similar point to to where some other parts of the world yeah. are with that. And it's the same with um, with some of the renowned courses in Scotland, which is my next golf trip in uh, July. My my younger brother and I, uh, who is equally as obsessed um, with with golf as I am, are, are doing a pilgrimage trip to Scotland wow. and playing some of the courses there. And uh, it's it's like the thing on the horizon that I'm just pumped about right now. What's uh? Do you guys already have like the the course itinerary all all planned out? Yeah, for the most part, we're playing um, we're we're playing a couple courses uh, outside of Edinburgh. We're gonna try to play. Uh, we're gonna try to do the singles queue on the old course at St Andrews, and then we're going up to Inverness, the Highlands, and playing mm-hmm. um, Royal Dornick. Uh, we're also playing um, North Berwick, which is goes to Edinburgh. Um, Ely is another course we're playing. Uh, Let's see, Brora. Um, I'd say the three that I'm most excited for, though, are Royal Dornick, North Berwick, and the Old Course. Awesome, man. I'm actually, I think I might have told you this, but I'm going to a wedding in Scotland July of 2025. So I think when I'm out there, I'm going to have to like probably just take like two weeks off of work, honestly, and just like do the wedding and then yep. just, oh, I think we're going to do golf in Scotland and then my buddy has family in Ireland that we can just stay there for free. So we'll go down there. Um, might have to steal your, your Scotland itinerary though. Yeah. And, uh, please Take advantage of that. And if you need a, if you need a plus one for the wedding, uh, let me know. Yeah, <laughs> I will, man. Um, <laughs> very cool. So, so my last question on golf travel, like something I'm always curious about just cause you know, I've, I've been to Pinehurst and that's essentially not Pinehurst number two, but like been to Pinehurst, played some of the awesome courses down there. And that's really my yeah. one big golf travel experience so far. So I'm always curious when I talk to people who have been, you know, outside of the United States or been abandoned or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Like, can you talk to me a little bit about how a course like Tobacco Road or yeah. Mid Pines kind of lines up with some of these, you know, maybe more famous courses by name, I guess is, is how I'll say yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm probably not qualified. I mean, I've done a couple of golf trips and I've played a couple of, you know, well-known courses, but probably not qualified to truly answer that question. What's, what's interesting is like, uh, Torrey Pines, for example, uh, is a course that hosts a lot of tournaments because it has the infrastructure to do so. And it's big enough where it can. And there are a lot of amazing golf courses, mid pines being a perfect example that, if you ask me, is better than uh, Torrey Pines and is better than um, Harding Park and is better than a lot of like courses that people know of. Uh, it just doesn't have the infrastructure to host professional tournaments. And because of that, right. they fly under the radar a little bit. I mean, Tobacco Road is such a wacky, uh, polarizing, cool golf experience. And to me, that's one of the cooler courses I've played. Um, and I, yeah, I would say to answer your question, both of those courses rank up in the top 20 courses I've ever played and are just like right. immaculate, immaculate experiences. 
Um, Spyglass is a, is another one where just hosted actually the, the AT and T Pebble Beach. A lot of people think it's a cooler course to play than than Pebble. A lot of people think really? that the the inland. I mean, it's all subjective, but like the inland holes at Pebble are kind of nothing to write home. Nothing right. to write home about. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I guess since you brought up Spyglass, let's divert the conversation slightly. Um, for those who, who have listened to these episodes before, I like to ask my guests a, a would you rather question every episode. And I'm, and I'm going to throw a curveball at you, Ben. It's not going to be the one that I sent you originally. Um, me. But would you rather play Augusta National? once in mm-hmm. your life you, you get to play it once you get to you know especially have the day there you can replay it whatever you want a day at augusta national um but keep in mind if you if you play it, it means you can't go back for the masters you just go once one time and you get to play or you get to go to pebble beach once a year for for the rest of your life pebble beach wow. i'm just a pra- i'm just a i'm a pragmatic guy and to be able to play pebble once a year for the rest of my life um, yeah, Augusta, Augusta's obviously the course I want to play most of any golf course out there, but, um, yeah, I just think more, more value to play Pebble every single year for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I am honest, I'm not going to lie that you're the second person I've asked that one. And the other person said the exact same thing. And I, I mm. my answer is, is Augusta. Um, but I don't know. I feel like if you if you have the chance to play Augusta, you got to take it. You know, like that's that. True. Like we can get on. Like if you have enough money, you can go get on Pebble. Like you can yeah. figure out a way to get out there. You can pay to stay on the resort, whatever it is. Um, but I think just like the the magic of Augusta, like that's a that's a whole different level. You know. Yeah, it's a tough question. It's a tough question. No, no doubt about it. I've been playing um, these slinger slinging draws recently i i can't fade the ball if i tried and so augusta would <laughs> i'd like to think it would suit my game for whatever that for, for whatever that's worth all right um very cool man um well you're talking about swinging draws um i know it's the winter time but you were telling me that you uh you actually got out last weekend and you have a tea time for this coming weekend in the middle of february in philadelphia i've got two tea times for this upcoming weekend uh two courses in the Philly area, actually owned by, uh, what's his name, Ron Jaworski, the old Eagles quarterback. He is a Philly guy, and he bought, I think, six courses in the area. Um, wow. So I'm playing He was also them. a commentator at one point, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then last weekend, I I drove up to Jersey and met my cousin, who was on that Band of Dunes trip, uh, who's a good player. Uh, and we met and we played and it's always, we always get really competitive with each other. Um, and he refused to give me strokes, even though he's a five handicap right now, I'm an eight, <laughs> uh, cause I've beat him straight up the last two times. And he, uh, you know, I always like to put a couple bucks on the, on the match. I kind of like yep, that yep. creating that intense environment and was four, I was four down at the turn and then had a lights out back nine where the hole just looked, you know, when you're playing and in, in a couple every so often, the hole just looks huge and you just can't miss a putt. Um, that's how it felt on the back nine. And I came back and ended up winning on 16, which was, uh, made, made my weekend for sure. 
You know, it, it's great when you can get an experience like that in the, in the middle of winter. One time I did a, I did a video. It was like power ranking my favorite types of golf rounds. And I think number one, I called it like the unexpected round, you know, where like it's either supposed to weather supposed to be too cold that time of year or you're just kind of don't expect to get out at that time of year. And you get out there and just like one, you're out there. So you're just like happy to be out there. And then most of the time you end up actually playing pretty well because like you're maybe not practicing as much. Your game just needed right. a logical break and you go out and just like surprise yourself a little bit. Yeah. Well, for every one of those rounds that I had this past weekend, there's one where, you know, you play, you fire something in the low 90s, you get frustrated. Right. <laughs> um, um, I was playing a couple couple weeks ago, I was down at Hilton Head um, for work, and I didn't get to play Harbor Town, but I played uh, a course called Atlantic Dunes uh, with a couple of couple of friends, colleagues, and it uh, it did not go well. Did not go well. So, <laughs> um, what or what question? I'm just gonna ask you. Oh, I got the, the yeah the dog in the <laughs> in the background here crushing his uh, his toy. Um, wow, clearly blanking what I was gonna say. Um, oh right. So so you mentioned a match you just recently had last weekend. Is there? Mm -hmm a specific game that you like playing on the golf course, specific format, like something that you, you typically go out and play with your buddies. Yeah. I think two on two, um, best ball, uh, is like a really clean, fun, fun match. Like if somebody on your team is, is struggling there, you know, it's, it's no pressure. It's not like it's high, low, uh, always seems to come down to the wire. You've like camaraderie with your teammate, but at the same time, it's a little bit of mono -y mono match play, I think that's the the most fun kind of competitive format. Oh yeah, so I know you mentioned that you know big trip you did out to Bandon. It was Ryder Cup mm -hmm. style, but I feel like I remember you also telling me about an annual trip you do yes. with some of your like your brother and your uncle yep. or something like that, Good where memory. you do like a yeah. little um, like mini competition for for the weekend. Yep. So we call it the uh, the FSI, the Fern Sadler Invitational. My last name's Fern, so is my brother's. And then we play first my cousin and my uncle. Uh, their last name is Sadler. And 2016 was the first year. And every year since then, I think with the exception of COVID, we pick a place, we go to it, we play a ton of golf, uh, we put we put some money in, in in the pot, and it's always my brother and I versus my uncle and my and my cousin. And we've switched up the formats over the over the years. Um, and we're, we haven't nailed down a date this year, but last year it was uh, it was out in in the Bay Area where my brother lives, and that's when we played Spyglass, a course called Pasatiempo, um, Presidio, which is right in the heart of San Francisco, Poppy Hills, uh, and there was one other course. Um, we're gonna have to do a whole another episode on each one of these. I know, uh, man trips yeah. you've been on man yeah they're, they're they're special and and sometimes it's not like a renowned place like we did boston one year where i hosted it we did dc another year uh yeah. we did the robert trent jones trail in alabama dude you've um, done that yeah yeah uh, me and my, my my friend josh is like dying to go do it um 
Tell tell you got to you got to tell me a little bit about that because he's he's been advocating it for it for a while now. Yeah, honestly, that was the first one we did, and I didn't uh, probably wasn't as into golf then, so I kind of I I, I, for, I think we played two courses on the trail and then one other course that wasn't well known. It wasn't very nice, and it wasn't on the wasn't on the trail. Oh, okay. Um, do I remember feasting on some? Birmingham, Alabama barbecue. Yeah, the food uh, has got to be unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. You you yeah. definitely got to go at the right time of year, though, because last year we were down in Pinehurst. I think it was the first week of September. We caught a heat wave. It, the, mm. the, the coolest day was like 96 degrees. It was yeah. brutal. Oh, my God. Yeah, we did in 2021, 2022, we did Pinehurst and um, played Tobacco Road, Mid Pines, Pine Needles, um, and then Talamore and another kind of no name, yeah. no name course, but yeah, mid pines and, uh, tobacco road were special. Yeah. Tobacco road. Like I would love to see the pros go out and play at tobacco road. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know if they can back the tees up far enough, but like, I would just love, like, I want the pros to go play tobacco road and I want them to get mic'd up. Like it doesn't have to count for world golf rankings or FedEx cup points. I just want a tobacco road invitational every year where I can just listen to these guys, like try to plot their way around this golf course that like, if you hit good shots, you're fine. But on, on the surface, the golf course just makes no sense. I think like the conversations yeah. on the tee boxes and in the fairways would just be like would be, unbelievable would be content. <laughs> some of those, some of those graveyard bunkers are just nuts. And I had a pretty tidy round going until was it the 16th hole. Uh, I think I carded a nine. It was, it was, it was that hole. I don't know if you remember it, but there's a false front and you can't see, uh, you can't see the green. It's a yeah, blind yeah, yeah. shot. It's like the dog leg left, right? Exactly. And I kept on, kept on hitting it on the green and it didn't make it over the false front and just kept on rolling back to my feet. Well, I feel like those are honestly the ex when you're playing a course like that where you're not necessarily expecting to play well, like it's a really difficult golf course, kind of quirky, you hear all these things about it. I mm -hmm. feel like when you have a blow up hole on a hole where you're supposed to blow up, I feel like it's almost like that that's what I wanted, you know? Like it, like you may not feel it in the moment, but you yeah. look back and it's like and I got the the tobacco road experience, you know, because yeah. I was in a very similar position. I was playing lights out. Like I played I think I shot 38 or 39 on the front, um, like playing unbelievable golf. And, like, and then the 12th hole or the 13th, it's the par five with like the true crater bunker. That's like yep. 40 feet below the green. Yeah. Um, I hit a great drive. I was driving the ball great all day. And then like I had like 180 to the pin and I was like, yeah, I guess so. I was like, I'm at Tobacco Road. I might as well try it. Um, even I tried, even gave myself plenty of room left, fucking hit it thin, sliced into the crater. And I got down there and I was like, you know what? I'm happy I'm down here. And I ended up getting it out. I saved like double, only got like a seven on the hole. But now looking back on it, it's like, I have these memories of like a signature tobacco road moment exactly. where I was just like, this is what I wanted. You know, this is why, this is why you go to a place like that. Exactly. Totally. Yep. Um, but yeah, would love to see just like pros go down and play tobacco road really such i want to i need to play another uh who's the guy that designed that place mike um, Str strands yeah i need to play another strands yeah. uh design at some point underrated place i know you were saying you did one in boston if you're ever looking for another northeast one you should guys should go to hartford surprisingly like hartford mm. has some amazing 
golf courses. Like there's like six golf courses in, like in the surrounding area of Hartford. And we played one. It was called Keeney Park. Every hole was like a template hole. It was by the same guy that did Oakmont. Um, and it had a very similar vibe to um, like George Wright and Franklin. One of Park. my favorite, one of my favorite courses in the world, George Wright. Yeah. George Wright's unbelievable. It was almost like George Wright, but just like a little quirkier. Like some of the holes were just like really interesting because they were all template holes. They had like a road mm-hmm. hole over Dan, all that stuff. Um, and some of the best greens I've played to date, like up there with like Piners number one, mid pines, um, like so much, like just big at really big greens rolling perfectly. And for like a public course that we paid like 40 bucks for highly, highly recommend Keeney park, Tenny Amaya, super cool, Connecticut folk out there. Yeah. Um, I, I spent but, time in Hartford, but didn't, uh, didn't, didn't play any golf there. Uh, then yeah, the next trip, expect it. Yeah. The, the next domestic trip I've got my eye on is, um, yeah, you, know, you only get one trip around the sun, Noah. I'm trying to get all the golf in that I, that I can, you know, <laughs> yeah, I love it. is, is the Wisconsin, you know, circuit of Aaron Hills and, uh, yeah. mammoth dunes and, uh, whistling straights. Isn't the, uh, the Lido out there now, like the, the guy who did Bandon took like that old course, the Lido and like read is remade it out in Wisconsin. Isn't out that, that out there as well. Yeah. I think, um, Mike Kaiser, is that Mike Kaiser's son who is kind of the leader of that project? I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but yeah, that sounds right. <clears throat> I should, I probably for hosting a golf podcast, I shall be, I probably should be more, uh, in tune with my, my, my course designers, uh, but, <laughs> but we'll get there. Um, one of the last few things I want to talk about, Ben, is you're a bit of a, uh, you're a Titleist celebrity. Oh boy. Um, oh boy. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> you were, uh, you made an appearance in a, in a Titleist commercial. You, you I once did. told me. Yeah. I was at a, I was at a friend's birthday party in Providence, Rhode Island a couple of years back. And, uh, marketing director for FootJoy was there and we just like nerded out about golf the whole time and at the end he's like hey ben like you know you you're clearly a golfer you're a handsome fella like we're always looking for for models like you should you should come out and and you know be in one of our one of our shoots and i'm like oh sure you know put me on the list didn't think twice about it and then maybe six months after that i get an instagram message from this guy you're like, hey, you know, our like lead model dropped out. Like, can you make this Friday? It's at uh, uh, Rhode Island Country Club. This is like sick course. Um, you know, we're, we're the commercial is going to be or the shoot's going to be at our new uh, Thermo series, kind of like winter layered gear. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I I literally thought there were going to be like pictures of my me wearing FootJoy golfs out. It's you know, there's like a camera crew of 16 people and a drone <laughs> and there's light rain and someone's job is literally holding an umbrella over me as I like play a couple of holes. Like I felt like a total celebrity and Dude, it was a 30 awesome. minute, 30 minute commercial that appeared everywhere. And like, it even appeared on some billboards in Europe. It was like, Whoa, like what? And I realized after the fact that I totally got taken advantage of because I, you know, I basically got a thousand dollars worth of foot joy credit to use in the store, but I didn't get paid at, at all. Yeah. You but, should be getting, you know, it's getting a funny, royalty on that. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a, it's a funny story and a, and a cool, cool golf experience for sure. 
Yeah, I feel like you know, thousand dollars of FootJoy credit that that'll that'll get you set, man. Yeah. Like FootJoy, you don't you don't need to uh, if you have a good amount of FootJoy stuff, you probably don't need to add much to the uh, golf apparel. Yeah, it's funny. I, I sometimes I joke around and call like Max Homa my colleague because you know he's a FootJoy FootJoy sponsor and like the no laying up guys right. are now are now uh, working with with Titleist and FootJoy. Yeah, you you had it first before them. Exactly. Yeah, they're just kind of <laughs> following in my in my footsteps, pun intended. Exactly. Funny funny note on FootJoy. Uh, my first guest on the show, Matt, who who you should meet someday. He is actually FootJoy royalty. I didn't know this until he came on the show, but his dad's, it's like somewhere, like his dad's brother's, it's like his dad's uncle or something like that was the founder of FootJoy. Wow. Pretty cool. So Super now cool. I, I always wondered why Matt always wore FootJoy shoes. And I asked him, he's like, you know, I just, I try to pay some homage to the, to, yeah. to the brand. Yeah, there, there you go. Try to support the the family business. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, man. Well, we can wrap up. I know we've we've went a little over my my allocated thirty minutes, but I really appreciate you coming on, man. Before we wrap up, I guess leave us with you know why why do you keep coming back to this uh, this ball and stick game we we love so much. Oh man, the the simplicity and complexity of it at the same time. I think I heard someone say it's the only game that's man versus man, man versus self, and man versus nature, uh, all wrapped into into one humbling, simple game. Uh, and it's I've got the I've got the bug. Uh, means a lot to me. It's something to to work on and be purposeful with. At the same time, you can't take it too seriously or else the round's not gonna go well. Um, and the individuality of each course and the people you meet along the along the way, it's it's got a little bit of everything. So that's why I keep on coming back. That's why I'm excited about my two tee times this weekend and uh, excited to play play again with you, Noah, and appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, we got it. We got to get back out there. Um, over under, what are, you, what are you shooting this weekend? What's the line? Uh, I, would say, I would say the line on Saturday's course, a little easier, is probably 83, and Sunday's course is probably 84. Oh, you're playing so both it. days. Oh, I'm playing both days. Oh, yeah. I Next thought you question. had like two tea times you were picking between from for like Saturday. I didn't realize you were going back mm-hmm. to back. Back to back, my friend. Oh man, I got to book a tea time. Well, dude, I was actually gonna play on Saturday, and then the other day I realized I can't even play golf because I got my buddy who works at Callaway hooked me up with some new irons, and he only it's like half a set. So I have half a set of my old clubs and like half a set of the new clubs. Anyways, I'm, I'm lucky to have them, but it we'll, makes we'll me... come down to Philly for come down to Philly for a weekend, and we'll uh, and we'll play. Look, I, Ben, I'm only coming down to Philly if you get us on that private Tom Dope course. That's my done. that's my condition. <laughs> Consider it done. All right, let me know, man. Awesome. Well, Ben, we're gonna have to get you back on so we can unpack more of these golf experiences you've had. I feel like we only scratched to the surface. Um, maybe we'll we'll spin up some ideas for some fun little feature episodes we can get you on. Um, but it was a pleasure talking shop with you, man. And thank you everybody for for listening to us for forty eight minutes. The head of things, people forget, forget their high.